0: Hare Krishna. Well, it's so nice to be here with all of you in the Kirtan, Radha Kalachanji. It's like, wow. Coming out of a dense darkness into the sunlight.
1: Radha Madhava Jaya Kum Jaya Radha Madhava Jayakun Jabi Jabi Gopi Chana Vallabhar Jaya giri vada hari hari Jaya giri vada po hari Yasudan Dana Rajajan Randana Yasudan Dana ra, Jaya ja. Jamnativa Vanachariki Jai Kumbh Jai Kumbh Jai Kumbh Jai Kumbh Jai Madhava Jai Kutcha
0: the deity founder chari is divine grace vrindaki guru vrindaki krishna chaitanya radha krishna kun Kik, oh, all glories to the assembled devotees, all glories to the assembled devotees, all glories to the assembled devotees, all glories, all glories, all glories to the Lotus Feet of Shushi Guru and Goranga glories to Srila Prabhupada. So reading this morning from Srimad uh, Bhagavatam, this is the first canto. Uh, we are in chapter sixth. And we're chanting um, text number twelve. Om namo bhagavate vasudevaya. Om namo bhagavate vasudevaya.
1: Om namo bhagavate vasudevaya. <laughs> <laughs> Om namo bhagavateva
0: sudevaya. Va. Okay, so we're reading from text number 12. Chitram. Datu. Vichitradhrin. Vichitradhrin.
1: Aiba. Bhajnam. Bujja, Druman. Jalashayan,
0: Jala Chayva, Chayva, Jalan, Jalan. Nalihnim, Nali Sura Sevita. Any of you recognize any of those Sanskrit words? <laughs> what, uh, you the this <laughs> word. <laughs> okay, here we go. Chitradatuvi <laughs> vichitradrim pagna puja druman jala shayan i'm on 12 uh, chapter number 6 first canto chapter 6 text 12 okay word for word chitra valuable minerals like gold silver and copper Vichitra, Vichitra, full of variegatedness. variegatedness. Adreen, hills and mountains. Hills and mountains. Abha, Bhagna. Abha Bhagna, broken by the giant elephants. Puja, branches. Ranches. Druman, Druman. Druman. Trees. trees. Jalashayan Shiva, Jalashayan Jalashayan. health giving. Jalan, Jalan, reservoirs of water. water. Nali Ni, lotus flowers. Sura aspired to be the denizens of heaven. Chitra pleasing to the hearts. Patra Ratai, by, by the birds. Vibramat, <laughs> build, bewildering. bewildering, Brahma, I'm sorry, uh, ra, Ramahara, Shriya. Ramahara Shriya, decorated by drones. Decorated by drones. They're, they're not the kind, you know. This is text number 12. It's just the translation, then I'll read the next verse. Chapter 6, Conversations Between Narda and Vyas. Yeah, we're going to go to the next one. I passed through hills and mountains full of reservoirs of various minerals like gold, silver, and copper, and through tracts of land with reservoirs of water filled with beautiful lotus flowers, fit for the denizens of heaven, decorated with bewildered bees and singing birds. Text 13, Nalavenu Sharashtanba, Kusha Kirchaka Darvaram, Eka Eva Tiyatoham, Adraksham Vipanam mahats, Goram Prati Vayakaram, Vya Lo Luka Shivajiram. Okay, translation and purport by the divine grace to the propod, I then passed alone through many forests of rushes, bamboo, reeds, sharp grasses, um, sharp grass, weeds, and caves, which were very difficult to go through alone, so they were very difficult to go through alone. I visited deep, dark and dangerously fearful forests, which were the play yards of snakes, owls, and jackals purport. It is the duty of a mendicant, Parivarajakacharya, to experience all varieties of God's creation by traveling alone through all forests, hills, towns, villages, etc., to gain faith in God and strength of mind, as well as to enlighten the inhabitants within with the message of God. A sannyasi is duty-bound to take all these risks without fear. And the most typical sannyasi of the present age is Lord Chaitanya, who traveled in the same manner through the central Indian villages, enlightening even the tigers, bears, snakes, deer, elephants, and many other jungle animals. In this age of Kali, sannyas is forbidden for ordinary men. One who changes his dress to make propaganda is a different man from the original ideal sannyasi. One should, however, take the vow to stop social intercourse completely. And devote life exclusively to the service of the Lord. The change of dress is only a formality. Lord Chaitanya did not accept the name of a sannyasi. And in this age of Kali, the so-called sannyasis should not change their former names, following in the footsteps of Lord Chaitanya. In this age, devotional service of hearing and repeating the holy glories of the Lord is strongly recommended. And one who takes the vow of renunciation of family life need not imitate the Parivarajakacharya like Narda or Lord Chaitanya, but may sit down at some holy place and devote its whole time and energy to hear and repeatedly chant the holy scriptures left by the great acharyas like the six Goswamis of Vrindavan. Beautiful verse. God oma gyanatha syakaranjana shalakai chakshusam nyatam Tazmai-shri-guruvetna-mah Shri-chaitanya-mana-opistam Stapitam-jena-bhutale Swayam-rupa-kadam-ayam Dadati-svapadantikam Immediately, um, I recall some verses about Lord Chaitanya. So there's one in uh, the 11th canto it's chapter 5, text number 53. And this chapter is very famous. Um, there's a, uh, four, um, four Lord, four Srimad Bhagavatam, or of the Srimad Bhagavatam, because Lord Chaitanya is mentioned in the Srimad Bhagavatam in the, in the 11th canto. So, um, the one you're probably most familiar with is the 11th canto. Uh, chapter 3 text number 32 and that goes krishna varnam twishah krishnam sangopanga ashtra parshadam yagnai sankirtana prayer yajanti hi smita saha so the, the translation of that is um in kali yuga intelligent persons will perform congregational chanting of the lord's holy names to worship the incarnation of Godhead who constantly sings the names of Krishna. Although his complexion is not blackish, he is Krishna himself. And he is accompanied by his associates, servants, weapons, and confidential companions. Now the verse I was um, recalling is also in that chapter. Um, it's a little bit later on, text number 53. So 11 and let me see if I can remember it. It goes, um, it's in the meter of the Brahma Samhita. There's some long verses in this section. Uh, 11th Canto is actually the most quoted by Srila Prabhupada from Srimad Bhagavatam because the 11th Canto is a summary of the entire Srimad Bhagavatam. So by reading through it, you you basically get all the information, you know, in a nutshell, from the first Canto up to the 10th Canto. And then the 12th canto is like a prophecy of what will happen in the future. So um 11, 5, 53, it goes, jasava Grishideva Jasavatarye Lokanvabhava Yasihamsi Jagat Prati Pan Dharman Maha parushupas Yuga Nuvritam Chana Vas Tri Yugo Tasatvam and uh, the meaning of that is, um, let me see, uh, we offer our respectful obeisances unto the lotus feet of the Lord, upon whom one should always meditate. He left his householder life um, and uh, gave up the company of his eternal consort, whom even the denizens of heaven adore. And he went into the forest to deliver the fallen-conditioned souls um, of Kali Yuga. Uh, Wait, I think I'm getting another verse mixed with that. It says, um, We offer our respectful obeisances unto the lotus feet of the Lord, upon whom one should always meditate. He left his householder life and left aside his eternal consort, whom even the denizens of heaven adore. He went into the forest to deliver the fallen conditioned souls who were put into illusion by the arrangement of the material energy. So that's also, that's glorifying Lord Chaitanya. And then there's another verse in the Srimad Bhagavatam, which is not as well known, um, but it's very interesting because it's spoken by Prahlad Maharaj. So, Lord Shringadev, you know, he appeared like millions of years prior to Lord Chaitanya's appearance. Um, <clears throat> but this verse also, uh, Prahlad Maharaj speaks about Lord Chaitanya. And uh, the verse, let's see if I can remember this one. It's a seven, it's the seventh canto, te- chapter nine, text number 38. And... Um, the translation of it is or the, the 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 sanskrit is um uh let's see if i can remember itam rishideva jasava jasavatariye logan vabava yahamsi jagat priti pan darman maha parashipa syugan vrittam chanakalo yarabavas triyugotasatvam so the meaning of that is um my dear lord this is pralad mai speaking to lord narsinghadeva so he says my dear lord Um, You kill all the enemies of this world um, in your multifarious incarnations, appearing in the families of men, animals, demigods, rishis, aquatics, and so on. Thus, you illuminate the three worlds with transcendental knowledge. In the age of Kali, O Mahapurusha, which he could have just said, O Mahaprabhu, but he said Mahapurusha, um, in the age of Kali or Mahapurusha, you sometimes appear in a hidden incarnation as Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Thus, you are known as Tri Yuga, or one who appears in only three ages. And then we also have the description of Lord Chaitanya when um, Nanda Maharaj asked, You know, yesterday was the appearance day of Mother Yashoda. Mm-hmm. And one of the devotees posted this beautiful painting. It's a new painting. Good morning. Hare Krishna. Posted this beautiful painting. I'd never seen it before. Of Mother Yashoda is actually the color of Krishna. She's kind of like a bluish color. And, uh, Nanda Maharaj is with her. And then they're, um, like, kind of like, Mother is like lightly embracing, um, you know, n- not like, Closely embracing, but just holding Krishna. This is in the painting. And then Krishna's best friend, Subal, Sri Dham, all these other boys are all there as they're described in the Bhagavatam. It's a beautiful painting. I haven't seen it. It's a new one. So, um, <clears throat> Mother Yashoda. Uh, yeah, it was her appearance day yesterday. You know, our grandma, he wrote an essay at uh, SMU called History, Her Story. And because that word history actually means his story. And he wanted to show how the Vedic literature, it actually glorifies women for being women. Hare Krishna, have a great day. And um, so Mother Yashoda, of course, she is just constantly glorified. And especially in Srimad Bhagavatam, her her love is paralleled with Srimati radharani you see beautiful yeah she's wonderful yeah so um yeah the um there's many many verses of course we have the entire uh, chaitanya charitamrita and um our books are written by Srila Prabhupada in such a, a, an easily embraceable and philosophical, um, philosophically systematic way that if we just start with the introductory books, read Bhagavad Gita, well, Isha Upanishad, Bhagavad Gita, uh, Srimad Bhagavatam, and, uh, and then Char- Chaitanya Charitamrita. What's that? Nectar of Devotion, Nectar of Devotion Krishna book. You know, if we go systematically through these books, then we naturally um, become freed from the dictations of our senses and our mind and, and, and the over-endeavor for mundane things that are difficult to achieve. And we actually can be ourselves for a change. Like naturally joyful, loving people. You know, it's it's interesting to me, especially like, you know, when we go through all these political changes and different things, but it's like the simplest solutions are so evasive in our modern society. You know, just like I remember even as a kid in our community, which um, we, I lived in a village. It was called the Village of Melrose Park. This is a suburb of Chicago now, in which I'm actually working from. The company that I'm working from is based in Melrose Park by Christians Mercy. Somehow I ended up there, and um, but those days it was all farms. There was no O'Hare Airport. There was no Walmart. There was none of that stuff, and it was just um, about 300 families. Everybody had got like, custom built homes, you know, depending on what they needed to do and in you know what kind of work their husbands or, or what the wife liked. Um, so just to give you a little insight into that, I was talking to my mom about it, and um, she told me they had a, we had, I mean, I was born there, a five-bedroom home with three bathrooms. It had a huge living room, huge. I'm talking like, you know, maybe this section of the temple room, like a quarter of this temple room, Uh Big kitchen like that, a big dining area, it had a workshop, it had a garage, it had a rec room, it had huge fruit trees, two big pear trees and an apple tree. And her and my father, they bought it for $23,000. No, 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 no. This is only, this is in the, night. Ni- I was born in 1961. No, they bought it when, uh they bought it, actually, now that I'm talking about it, I was born in a, a home prior to that. They moved into this when I was about three years old. So, 64. And, um but, you know, what I want to tell you is the some of the things like how we knew one another and like as simple solutions for like the, the, the unsurmountable problems of society and that are also taught here in Srimad Bhagavatam. And it's um, one of the things that I remember clearly is there was a, a gentleman who had a, uh, a flatbed pickup truck. So anyway, without getting into a lot of details, he had baskets on there, and he just went around to all the farms in the morning, got like the fresh spinach, the fresh cauliflowers, this and that. You know, and he had a cowbell on the mirror of the pickup truck. And there were only 300 families, like there was the highway and then there was like a road that came into Melrose Park and it was really a village. It was called the Village of Melrose Park. And all around us was farms. And he would ring the bell and my mom and her friends would just come out of the house with their baskets. They had a carry basket and they would buy everything they needed. And then, you know, my mom told me if we had a family of seven, they could, she could feed the family. Her budget was $11 a week. And, um, but one of the things, you know, that was, uh, that really amazed me was my mom used to take me as a little kid and, um, she had a bicycle with bat baskets on it, but, um, she would go to, there was a mill, a grinding mill that was on a river nearby where we lived and, or a river lid, a type of a river that came off the Desplaines River, but the, um, yeah, the wheel would turn and it would turn the grinders, you know, there was just like simple wooden gears made out of whatever, two by fours or something, you know, and they would turn. And and then so my mom would go in there, you know, once every couple of weeks and she would buy these bags of fresh ground wheat and fresh ground corn. And I, just to give you a little idea what it was like, like the wheat, you know, you could just plant it and it would grow. So it was like that fresh, those wheat berries were but the fragrances of the fresh ground wheat and corn was kind of like what you experience when you go into a grocery store and you walk by, like, the fresh ground coffee aisle. I don't know if you guys, I mean, I probably shouldn't, but that's like my favorite part in a grocery store. <laughs> the, the fragrance is just awesome, you know? Yeah, and... um I was reading a health report and they were saying that the villagers in India like where Sudhir Prabhu's from in Bengal their their diet was rated the healthiest diet by this like objective group of dietary research scientists from Japan of all places and they said that in India, they, that they evaluated diets from all over the world and they found that the villagers of India had the healthiest diet and the main reason was they only eat freshly, fully ripened, fresh picked vegetables and fruits and fresh ground wheat. You know? So, but the thing I was gonna say is about, um. <laughs> You know, I was talking to Chaitanya and We said, "What about Walmart?" I was talking to one of the girls in Walmart. You know, I was asking because, like, I get into cooking in my truck. I have one of these instant pots. <laughs> that thing bakes, it fries, it does all this stuff. You know, so I'm like, I'm I'm part of a instant pot club on Facebook. <laughs> you know, but um, but the thing I was gonna say is like. I went in there, I was looking for something. I asked one of the girls who was putting the stuff, you know, on the shelves. And I was saying, you know, it just shocks me that like 95% of the food in the store is all processed and packaged. I said, you know, we just pulled a can off the, I said, look at that can. You know, and she pulled the can off the thing. The, the expiration date was like two or three years from now, you know. There's no food value in that stuff. yeah sitting in bags on a, in a warehouse or you know and then in the store for for a year maybe or who knows how long you know anyway so um but the thing i was going to bring out is this that there were these farms around our village and um some of them were still um some of them were still operating their farms using horses my mother had a friend who owned one of those farms and the lady liked these big workhorses like Morgan's, and she had a couple Clydesdales. You know, they would just pull two of those Clydesdales and pull all this big farm equipment, like any of these John Deere's or anything. And, um, you know, just a little side note, because uh, I work for farms and uh, with my truck, and um, I carry this, like, soap for washing cows and stuff sometimes. And um, one farmer told me two of his best friends committed suicide because they bought these big John Deers that were like a million bucks or whatever, and then they had a bad year, and then the bank took away their property, and uh, the guys, you know, everything they'd ever known was taken from them, and they just killed themselves. Two of them, two not the same farm, two different farms. And I was thinking, wow, you know, with the horse system, you always have a new tractor, because the horses have a bay of ponies, right? So, like, if you really look at how Krishna arranged everything, yeah, and that and also the manure, you don't need all these chemical fertilizers. Just the manure from a herd of horses is enough to fertilize, you know, a small farm. What to speak of a big farm, I see some of these huge commercial farms. They have manure like you know, piles of manure as big as like ten of these temple rooms. You know, they can't even use it all. They sell it to Home Depot now everywhere else. But um so the thing that was amazing to me, remembering that, was that how everybody helped one another. Yeah. You know... You no, no, we didn't have cell phones. Yeah, in fact, you know, I'll tell you something funny. I remember going out and my mom wanted to get one of these fancy antique phones. that had like, you know, the fancy brass and the, you know, it still had the rotary on it, but it was, you know, one of these things you see on television or something. And um I went with her to the store... And the phone cost her $3. And now a new phone today is like 1100 bucks 1200 for all these applications and things that 90% of us will never use. But anyway, that's another topic. So the thing I was going to say is that... Um, okay, so... There was one farmer, I remember, he grew corn. Now, all the farms would grow like a cash crop, but they also had, like, um, gardens. So they would, they had, people had these small, like, farmers, I don't know what you want to call them. They're not really, it's not really a market. It's like a shed or a where small, like, barn where you can go in there and buy all the stuff that they grow, you know? So they... A what? South Water Market? South. South Water Market. Yeah, because it was on the south side of the town,
1: And you had everything
0: from your truck, And you go to your spot, and you sell it. Yeah. So the farms would have that. So you know, go to a farm and he would be growing potatoes and tomatoes and zucchinis and all this stuff. But then you'd have like a big cash crop like of corn. So this corn farmer, I remember he would get all the kids in the neighborhood to come there. Like our parents would just send us there and help him to pick the corn. And um, so we picked the corn. He had this tractor with these long bars on it with baskets that you could stand in, like uh, the kind of things that you see where they lift up and work on the electrical wires. Mm -hmm. Something like that. And then um, he could drive through there and we'd all be joking around and everything. And then, you know, his wife would cook a bunch of big like oatmeal cookies for us and stuff like that. And we would go through the farm and pick the corn. And then um he would have like this huge corn feast for the whole neighborhood. You know, there would be at least 500 people, maybe more there. And he made this grill just out of grates and... um He would throw the corn on there. He had a couple of the guys there and they would throw the corn right on the grate, still in the husk. And then he had a coffee, he had coffee cans with melted butter in there. And then after they would roast the corn, they just pull the husk back, dip dip it into the melted butter. And they had those big, like, uh, salt shakers. You've seen them. Like, they're like aluminum. They're huge with a handle on them. And shake the salt and hand them out. And then all the women would bring stuff. It would be like a potluck. Like, my mom would bring potato salad. Someone would bring this or that. And his farm was right on um, on a river. So we would go swimming. We'd be playing with his horses. We'd be eating the corn, right? There was no money involved at all. I mean, if you wanted to work for him, he had jobs. But, you know, this was just something like the neighborhood would do every year. And I saw these farmers helping one another. So anyway, to make a long story short, what I was talking to these guys about was... You know, we're, we're involved in all these political things. But actually, if you just think about these simple things like this. You know, if we just help one another. You know, with simple things. Like like for me as a truck driver, you know, somebody jumps out of a truck and helps me get parked, you know, in a narrow spot. or, You know, stuff like that, right? We just help one another. Then we naturally become friendly and want to help each other. And we stop thinking about you know oh man I, I, I you know I, I don't like the way my wife puts her toothbrush in the bathroom or whatever you know these crazy things that we get irritated about you know yeah and we we really we start to really like have affection and appreciation for each other just over simple things like that and so you know. Now, if the guys just say, for example, like us as truck drivers, we just look at one somebody's struggling, you know, aha, who cares, right? Then he looks at us and thinks, man, these guys, you know, I'm struggling. They don't care about me. And, um, you know, then he becomes hateful and feels like, you know, nobody, nobody cares about me. You know, I'm wor- I'm a worthless person. And uh, like, you know, and then uh, and then we start to hate each other on top of it. So, you know, that's, a, all I'm talking about is these simple acts of devotion. And Lord Chaitanya, if you read Chaitanya Charitamrita, it's so beautiful because with the most exalted devotees, like Lord Nityananda, Advaita Charya, Srivastakara, and on, the whole group, all, they just do the simplest things with just like jovial, loving friendship, and, and you know, it's, it's nothing that you read that they're doing. Yeah, I mean, of course, like, you know, they're controlling the whole universe or millions of universes. All that's another topic. But I'm saying as far as their interaction with one another as devotees, it's just acts of simple kindness and love. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, that's great, Mother Nandini. Please keep it up. That's wonderful. Yeah, so, um, you know, the, the point that I want to make here is that, yes, we need... To become detached from material life. That's the per this particular verse is talking about, sinyas. And all of us, men, women, you know, Chinese, American, whatever we are, what, whoever, whatever our level of education is, if we don't develop a higher experience than just pursuing sense enjoyment, then we're gonna have to do this over again. So, I don't know what you're gonna have to wear in your next life. (laughs) This mask is already bad enough. (laughs) Um, um, Maybe a, maybe a, a, yeah, with, with a body armor, you know, (laughs) I mean, you know. (laughs) I I don't know what we're gonna, what it's gonna be like in the future, but but I know Prabhupada said, trust no future, however pleasant it may seem. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the point I'm making here about, is that, It's when we engage in simple acts of devotion. It doesn't require a tremendous amount of, uh, of, yeah, like scholarship. I mean, yes, you can be a scholar for Krishna, and that's wonderful. But really what it all comes down to, you know, all of this philosophy, all the Vedic knowledge is just simple acts of love parading Parading as a philosophy. Yes, thank you. So the six symptoms of love shared between devotees giving gifts, receiving gifts, sharing prasadam, cooking, serving prasadam, receiving prasadam, and revealing one's mind in confidence and inquiring confidentially. So, so, you know, just to kind of conclude here, um, see, in this age, devotional service of hearing and repeating the holy glories of the Lord is strongly recommended. So, you know, we we really need to just take this reprieve every day and just bring ourselves back to this, this simple acts of love and devotion. Yeah, give and receive. We need to do that, of course. You know, like, a, you know... I, I, Kumkumungi and I, my wife and I, we've been doing all these events and, you know, going out for, for years, cooking and serving at big rock concerts like in, uh, I see Mother Nandini, I think of Denver. We did this event in Denver called the Riot Fest. <laughs> <laughs> Fest. 280,000 kids. Really? Yeah. And, you know, you got guys my age on stage performing, which... I mean, really, as a musician, you know, especially after listening to a nice kirtan like you led, you know, I, I just, like, I don't even know how these guys are getting recorded. But beyond, you know, the, my professional evaluation of their musical abilities, I mean, I guess that's from coming out of the 70s and, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like, but the thing I want to say is that Kumkumangi would tell me, you know, the best part of coming back to the temple community, I don't have to hear the F word anymore. <laughs> These guys are up on stage. You know, the vulgarity and the criminal psychology is just shocking. You know? And, 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 and the way the children, the, the youth are so exploited for money and sexuality and just they're just so devaluated that the kids, they just end up sitting at these events in small groups, just lamenting their existence. Lamenting how they can't relate to their parents. and to, to, They can't relate to being $100,000 in debt before they even start their career. Studying a bunch of things that they know they're never going to use and they have no interest in. You know, I mean, simple things like just letting kids study what they're interested in. You know, I mean, giving loans for small farms, you know, to our kids. I mean, you know, simple things like that, like, like you know, anyway, without getting into too many <clears throat> ideas, all I'm saying is simple reform, simple things that we can manage. But the the real point that I was making is that if you just take a minute and walk up to somebody, and this is what I'm doing now, is... Rather than organizing event or going, because they cancel all that stuff anyway. And these promoters keep raising their price. The last time I went for a, to do a big event, it was called, um, it's held in Austin. It's called, uh it's a huge thing. It's two weekends. It's called the Austin City Limits. They wanted $17,000 for the space for our trailer. For two weekends and a bunch of dead days in the week, you know. And my daughter was going to college at that time in Austin. And she said, you know, none of the college kids go out there to eat. We know we're going to get ripped off for food. And there's like hundreds of restaurants in the area. So all the kids eat, just come out to listen to their favorite bands and drink a couple beers. And the, and the, and the promoters are asking us for 17 grand plus $5 million worth of insurance. You know, it just gets Wild. You know, it just gets so out of hand. It's like having a $1,200 phone that you only use, you know, three things on. You know, it's just like, just out of control. So, what I'm doing now is, I just get books. I get, my favorite book is The Science of Self-Realization. Thank you, Srila Prabhupada. But I also have Bhagavad Gita, Krishna book, and I have higher tastes. And all I do is, everybody I meet, hi, how are you doing today? Yeah? You know, we talk for a few seconds about what we're doing and then immediately, hey, you know, I'm part of this community in Dallas, Kalachanji's Restaurant Pals. We got this award-winning restaurant. Our founder was Guru for the Beatles, but he didn't even help write music, but he's recognized in Encyclopedia Britannica. He wrote more books than Shakespeare. Check this out. Boom. I am just do that with everybody I meet. Everybody. And it's just like, Wow, it's so natural. And really, when we're talking about sannyas, what's significant, especially Lord Chaitanya showed this example, is that he just gave Krishna consciousness to everybody he met. Simple. It doesn't matter if you're dressed in sapphire or not, Prabhupada's making this point. It, the real thing is how attached we are to one another as devotees by acts of love and devotion to the deities, the beauty of the deities, and, you know, our practical sadhana. Really what it comes down to is our sadhana is based on our faith and our discipline. You get up from Arctic, you chant all your rounds, you read the books, you do all these things, you get a lot of benefit from that. But beyond that, when we go to give Krishna consciousness to others, like Mother Nandini brought up, a special thing happens. And that is, you invoke Lord Chaitanya's mercy. You invoke Radha and Krishna's mercy. You invoke Lord Chaitanya's mercy. And that is what really picks us up. That's what makes Krishna reveal himself to us. That's what transforms our life. You know, because... Normally, when we practice Krishna consciousness, it's with this kind of like um, intent of making my material life better. I'm chanting and I'm more peaceful. I'm eating prasadam; it's it's better, you know. Make, but really, what we're talking about here today is completely replacing our material life with our spiritual life. That's the next step. He says here, you know, like, um, Prabhupada writes so beautifully. I mean, it's just like you cannot feel um, like he's forcing this religion or, or forcing something on you. He, he just explains it with such deep love and friendship. But um, I'll read this one more time. He says here, um, In this age, devotional service of hearing, and repeating the holy glories of the Lord is strongly recommended, and one who takes the vow of renunciation of family life need not imitate the parivarajra Acharya, like Narda or late Chaitanya, but may sit down at some holy place and devote his whole time and energy to hear and repeatedly chant the holy scriptures left by great acharyas like the six Goswamis of Vrindavan. And then, let me see, there was something else here I was really thinking about. He says here... Um, it's the duty of a mendicant to experience all varieties of creation. Get a truck driving job. Like we were joking about it the other day. We're not vanaprastas, we are vanaprastas. <laughs> you know, they call my truck with the with the enclosed trailer, it's called a van. <laughs> you know. But, you know, like Mother Nandini, Karthikeya, all of us, you know, we experience this. We travel to different places, travel to India, travel to the Ratha Yatra, travel to this. You know, we can actually assimilate these things if we just, you know, um, make some simple, progressive arrangements in our lives. Well, thank you, and thanks for doing that. That's wonderful, too. Yeah, I mean, last time I went to Nam was quite a while ago, but I went there. And uh, there were like five of us. We went out there together. And it was interesting. I was given out. That's when we had that magazine, that uh, 50th, anniversary. 50th anniversary. Yeah, and I, so I was the one giving the magazines. And then there were four other devotees singing. And um, one of the managers of the restaurant came out. And he said, man, you guys got to come more often. It is so nice seeing you guys out here. You know, and then, you know, how I walk around the block and chant. This older lady who, she's one of the accountants from the, uh, the accountant building over here. And um, she came out to me one day and she said, you know, why don't you guys go downtown and sing and dance anymore? And I felt like, wow man, this is of coming to you Rino know, Like, this is something I expect to hear from my guru, you know, and she, she's an older woman. And then she said that to me, she said, she said, you know, seeing you guys and seeing the women all in those colorful saris and and with the kids and the books and, the, you know, you guys are just beaming and coming and singing and walking through the downtown. She said it was just like, you know, such a festive and happy experience amongst all that gray and concrete. You know, people are actually looking for this. You know? So... But that's the simple, my, my simple program I'm presenting before you. Um, just anybody you meet, you know, just maneuver the conversation a little bit, you know. And like, hey, I got something to share with you. Yes, Prabhu. So, that statement that you just read
1: about, all the rest of creation.
0: Is there a benefit to experiencing all the creation? Well, two things I can share. And I know you had this experience. When I first joined... And I was a Brahmachari and I was part of a traveling party. And one thing is that when you travel and you share Krishna consciousness and you've got somebody who's really good cook. Like we had Pralamba Prabhu and Kanapati uh, Maharaj. I mean, they would just churn it out like breakfast and dinner. And... Uh, You know, we had some fun stuff going on too. I remember Maharaj made this. um, He said, look, every $5 you do over your quota. We had quotas those days for how many books we'd sell and how much money we'd raise. He'd say, every $5 you go over your quota, I'll make you an extra pori. So I was Vaisheshika Prabhu's (laughs) partner and he really got into that. You know, like, like I mean, those days, like we were all in our, like I was a teenager that everybody else was like in their 20s. I think Maharaj was just 30. But, Like, you know, these guys and I, you know, we had like 10 to 20,000 calorie diets, you know. You know, like, we could eat a whole plate of halibut. Anyway, I can remember, Vaishesh, we did like, I don't know what it was, 700 bucks over what he was supposed to, you know, and he got me into it. I think I, you know, Maharaj was in the kitchen. Now everybody else had left and every time, you know, he was going, come on, you know, that's enough. And Vaish was like, you said one more for every five bucks, you know, like, like, But the thing I have to say is, like, you know, I was just a lazy, you know, uh, uh, what do you want to call me, rock and roll boy, you know, like, that, like, you know, we were partially into sports, partially into partying, into girls, into, like, just being lazy, not caring about anything, right? But when I joined the Sangertan party and we started traveling, I never got a, you know, I never thought of even going back to that. It was so nice it was so refreshing it was such an uplifting experience and the knowledge and the examples you know of all the Prabhupada disciples and and the sannyasis and the the mothers and everybody you know when I I was like 17 Gurudev brought me to Vishwam Prabhu's house with a Gopi Gita wasn't even born then then um there was uh Vishwambhar Prabhu and his wife was Vrindavan Ishri, I think her name is. And uh, Gurudev liked to go there because he liked Gujarati cooking and they would cook for him and everything. And, um, you know, but I remember how they took care of me as a teenager was just like phenomenal. And that's the other thing I experienced traveling. I got to, you know, meet all these devotee families you know, and plus you see the you know the suffering that's going on, the, the 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 you know the 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 rat race of Western society is just you know. But one thing I wanted to say is the guru brought me to Fiji, and in Fiji, what he had me do was go from village to village and distribute books. And in a lot of these villages, there was no road; you just walk on a dirt on a path. And I would carry like whatever, you know, I had a book bag with maybe 20 books in it or something like that. would send me out every day. We were there for like three weeks. Otherwise, unless he had some big program he needed me or he wanted me to see. But so I would go from, and then the villagers, all these Hindu villagers in Fiji, they'd come out of their houses. They'd invite me in. They'd always give you this passion fruit drink. Wow. And, you know, they'd have you sit down. Yeah. Haribo. hi Krishna. <laughs> And, um, you know, it was an amazing experience. And the other thing that was amazing is to just see people, and I had this experience in Bengal, too, living and were happier than I was with just the basic, simple things in life that I had, like, literally forgotten uh, from when I was a kid in that farming community. You know? Like... I remember when I was in Vrindavan, I'd pull up in a, the, the ambassador, you know, I was the rich American, right? We're going out to Radhakund, and then you'd pull up, like, at a train, you know, the train stop, and, uh, what do they call that when the arm comes down? The gate. The tr- yeah, the gate, right? Yeah, so, you know, the gate come down, and you'd be waiting for the train, and then there'd be, like, a tractor pull up alongside you with, like, ten local Bridge of some of the kids in there and, you know, everybody on there. And then I roll down the window and say, Jairod, hey. And then they'd all go, Jairod, hey! You know, they were like so lighthearted. Man. You know, I, actually, when I think about that, I really came to a, a kind of a, a realization that going back to Godhead means becoming so light that you just float back to Godhead. <laughs> Okay, you guys, anyway, I got to get to, uh, I'm running late here. So, thank you for giving me a chance to speak today. Chaitanya Prabhu, especially all of you. Thanks for sitting in. Shri Prabhupada ki, Srimad Bhagavatam ki, go bhakti, Lord Chaitanya ki. Go, Prima Yeah, that's the picture.